my favorite part was probably day two we stumbled into the hut at like six in the evening and we're like damn it there's four other people here but then we walked in and um there were these four hunters and um they had these little radios they're chatting to each other and they were all out in the bush and we walked in and like within 10 seconds they're like oh jt i've got one or something through the radio and um he was saying that he had just shot a deer and so within a couple hours we were sitting in the hut all set up for bed eating like massive venison back steaks and they'd brought in like a box of beer and like they just treated us like crazy eh? This is Aotearoa Adventures with your host Abigail Hanna, the podcast for everything you need to know to travel New Zealand. I talk to photographers, van lifers, mums, students and everyday Kiwis to hear their inspiring stories from past adventures and to share helpful tips and tricks for your travels. Whether you're visiting Aotearoa for the first time and live on the road, or you work a 9 to 5 and have lived in New Zealand your whole life, you're guaranteed to learn something to plan your next getaway and get a new excitement to explore more of this beautiful country I call home. So grab your hiking boots, hop in the car and turn up the volume. If you've ever cooked a meal from scratch in the bush, you'd know how challenging it is. Backcountry Cuisine have solved this problem with freeze-dried meals that are lightweight, delicious, nutritious, and so easy to prepare. With breakfast, lunch, dinner, and dessert options, as well as vegetarian, vegan-friendly, and gluten-free meals, they have something for every adventurer. Backcountry Cuisine are my go-to for yummy meals on the trail, and I also keep a stash in the van, just in case. For quick and easy meals for all your outdoor adventures, use the code ABIGAIL for free shipping off your next order. That's A-B-I-G-A-I-L for free shipping off your next Backcountry Cuisine delivery. Head to the link in the description to find out more. Kia ora, welcome to Aotearoa Adventures. I'm really excited to be sitting down with Ollie Dow today. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm a student from Tauranga and yeah, I'm just super passionate about tramping and, uh, you know, anything outdoors really. Um, but I guess hiking, tramping, whatever you want to call it, is kind of my current area of expertise, yeah. <laughs> if you want to put it that way. Yeah. And you'll know this because you've listened to the show. I usually ask guests um, when they started to get into the outdoors, but you're still in high school, so you're still in your youth. Um, but <laughs> do you remember your sort of earliest trip as a child, like your first tramp? Yeah, I think. Yeah, that, I mean, that's testing the memory. Is it? Um, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure the first time was probably around 2018. Uh, forgive me for the maths, but I was six, I think six around, years ago. Yeah, about that. Um, yeah, up in the Pinnacles in the Coromandel. Oh, cool! So yeah, pretty, pretty um popular for a first. Yeah, for first timers. Um, did yeah. you get good views when you were up at the summit? Uh, uh again, I'm not too. Um, I th- I think it was cloudy that time, but I have been yeah. up since and yeah, seen the views on a clear day. Oh, and, that's man, so good. Pretty awesome, eh? <laughs> I have a bit of beef with um the Pinnacles and Parongia. Um, Prongi is a whole nother story, which I think I've shared before, but, um, with the pinnacles that we just had so much cloud and would walk through the night to get up there for sunrise. Um, and I could see nothing. And so I was really, really mad about it and I haven't been back since, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm thinking this is the year where I'm finally like, I've got enough distance. (laughs) I think that must've been like three or four years ago. And so I think 
I think I'm ready for the pinnacles again. Um, and the photos that I do see when people get it on a clear day are absolutely spectacular. Um, but I had met a ranger as we were coming down from the pinnacles, the ranger was going up and he said that he'd been to the summit like 13 times or something and never seen views. So I oh, felt like a little bit better, but um, I also have a group of friends that every time they go up, it's just banging sunrise. And I'm like, I need to go with you because you've obviously yeah, got yeah. the good luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's really awesome. Um, well, you also mentioned to me um, before we hopped on the show that you've done quite a lot of tramping um, without an adult. Um, do you remember your first trip that was, yeah, I suppose without an adult? How long ago was that? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think oh, I would have been, so I'm almost 17 now, and I think I was um, probably maybe just would have turned 15 at the point where I went for my first um, overnight without an adult. I actually did two That's nights. That's awesome. That's crazy. Um, yeah, it was, I mean, I, I remember, I'll, I'll never forget um, going upstairs to my parents who are lying in bed, and I'd just been asked by my mate, um, Sam, if uh, I wanted to come with him, um, and mum and dad were like, yeah, with a parent, right? And I was like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> and they just, what? <laughs> uh, okay, we might have to have a chat about that. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, nah, but honestly, I'd like, it's been one of the best things I've probably ever done for like confidence and things like that. Cause yeah, it's started pretty much the, well, definitely the biggest hobby I've ever had so far um, <laughs> in my life. So yeah. That is so cool. Yeah. That's awesome that your mom and dad were on board as well and let you go out and do the things that you want to do and the things that you enjoy. Yeah. Definitely took a bit of convincing, but um, yeah. yeah, as long as I've got like a PLB, I, I take, I have it in reach now and um, mm -hmm. obviously that plays a pretty massive part. Yeah, because I just put the tracking on and they can message me when I need to and when they need yeah. to and everything. Yeah, that's, yeah, so thank God for technology, right? Like, Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, for sure. 20, 30 years ago, your kid would just go into the bush, I suppose, and you wouldn't see them till they arrive back in one piece or... <laughs> yeah. But yeah. yeah, that's awesome. We, yeah, we definitely, technology's come a long way in the last sort of 10, 20 years. And even things like InReach, like, I don't think that was around maybe five years ago, or they were like super expensive and not like, yeah, not consumable products that anyone could have. Yeah, for sure. And, and it's incredible, like how well they work as well. Cause I've, I've been like, I've just done a couple recent trips down, like on uh, little pool floaties, like the $5 ones uh, you get yeah. from Kmart just down rivers and stuff um, in the Kaimais. Um, and the inReach will still put tracking points even when you're in a tight gorge and things like that. Oh, wow. It, I, which I yeah. struggled to believe, eh? And with thick bush and everything. It's, yeah. So That's it's awesome. Pretty, pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so where do you find mates to sort of come along and do the stuff with you? It sounds like you've got a good bunch of um, friends that are also keen and into the outdoors. <laughs> um, yeah. Tell me a bit about that. Oh, well, like, I mean, <laughs> when I, oh, I don't know, I think it's only just recently maybe that um, I, I haven't had to try so hard, <laughs> but yeah, I definitely used to hassle a couple of my, a couple of my mates from school um, yeah. to come out with me just so that I could actually get it past mum and dad and say that I was going with someone else. Yeah. Um, but as I was saying to you just before, um, I'm a part of a program like called 
called YSAR, which is um, Youth Search and Rescue. And um, it's a group of three years, so three cohorts of um, around 20 students. Um, And they become your best friends pretty fast because we um, spend every, like, we spend a weekend, a month pretty much out in the bush together. That's Um, awesome. Yeah, just under tarps learning how to well, pretty much yeah. train to be search and rescue. Um, so That's so cool. At the end of the three years, are you sort of qualified for search and rescue or how does that sort of work? Um, to be honest, I'm not actually 100% <laughs> sure, but yeah. I'm pretty sure you end up with essentially everything to move into Landsar, mm. um, which is the, the land-based search and rescue. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure, like, of course, you'd still have to go through their trainings and things but um yeah I think you essentially go in with all the skills you need yeah or come out I should say yeah 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 that's really cool um and it's awesome that programs like that exist for I guess people just like you that are keen on the outdoors and want to sort of make a difference in that space as well because I have so much respect for search and rescue and yeah, just the, the volunteers that fly helicopters and that are out there when, you know, someone pulls their PLB. Like, yeah, yeah I just sure. I just can't imagine um, outdoor adventure without that sort of safety emergency blanket, you know. <laughs> yeah. And there's plenty of places yeah. in the world where you wouldn't have Lansar. So, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. No, totally. Um, well, tell me, Ollie, about one of your favorite adventures. Um, you did a recent one in the, was it the Kawikas over 11 yeah. days? Do you want to talk about that one or do you have another one in mind? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I, <laughs> I had a pretty busy summer, actually, um, but this was sort of the, the first um, trip straight after exams, which was yeah definitely a notable one. Yeah, so... So it was pretty much 11 days in the Kawikas. We kind of started um, at the top of the Kaimanawas. So there, for anyone that doesn't know, that's kind of central North Island and the um, Kaimanawas run kind of parallel, almost north to south, but to the west of the Kawikas, if that makes sense. I think I'm with you. I get, re- I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to lie, I get really confused with like the Kaimais, the Kaiwakas, the Kaimanawas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot, so, um, but is it is it the ones that are sort of between Tongariro National Park and Napier, kind of? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, 100%. I'm with you, yeah. That's that's it. So you pretty much have, like, the Kaimanawas on the Tongariro side. Okay, And then yeah. the Kawikas are kind of like the the Napier side. Yeah. Um, so we sort of started at the top, like, just, just kind of southeast of um, Taupo, and, yeah, went in for a road called Clements Mill and um yeah started our 11 day trek from there and that's um, wild yeah it was pretty epic were you on track for most of it or were you route finding and stuff um yeah it, it was essentially all on track but yeah. um the the thing that attracted me to the Kawikas and the Kaimana was um was kind of the elevation like the elevation and the the sense of like alpine tramping I guess because okay. you don't really you don't really get that in the Kaimais because you can't get much higher than you know yeah, yeah. like eight nine hundred meters is absolute max um yeah. where for comparison the the Kawikas 
don't quote me on it, but I think about 1720 is around the highest. Yeah. Yeah, So a pretty massive difference. Um, And then I've also done a bit in the Tongariro National Park and the other difference between Tongariro and the Kawikas and the Kaimano is, is that there's actually bush as well um, because most of Tongariro is like sort of like scrubby kind yeah, of pretty low lying that, yeah that plateau um, isn't it with yeah a lot of scrub and all that volcanic soil yeah for sure so yeah this was awesome because we could experience like the high alpine completely open kind of gravel scree yeah, tops and yeah. then um down in the valleys nice like big flowing rivers which was awesome for to swim in um yeah. and also you have like super tall like these giant beech trees um yeah so it's nice variety is what I'm trying to say Mm, yeah that sounds (laughs) really beautiful um how did you begin to plan for an 11 day tramp um I imagine you would have carried all your food (laughs) in from day one yeah so we actually this is yeah this is kind of like something that the reason why I wanted to talk about this trip was actually because we we'd planned to walk from just um South, like from Clements Mill, just southeast of Taupo, yeah. to almost all the way to Palmerston North, okay. um, which is a lot further than where we ended up, put it that way, because <laughs> um, I kind of just sent the um, planning stage, eh? like I had, I didn't really have a whole heap of clue. I've done plenty of trip planning, but um, yeah, this was going to be essentially a two-week trip, um, yeah. maybe even longer. Um and yeah, I <laughs> hadn't planned for anything longer than maybe like five, six days at that point. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was sort of just laying it all out in a spreadsheet and roughly guessing where we'd end up each day yeah. and just planning the heck out of it. Eh? <laughs> I feel yeah. like because um, I did my, f- well, I did my longest tramp ever, which was five days over the summer. Um, and even just the planning from that is such a step up from like overnight yeah. or two nights. Um, 100%. And I, I was also doing it solo and I found myself going over my gear like over and over again being like, do I have everything I need? <laughs> yeah. And nothing more because I was cutting band-aids out of my a first aid kit because I don't want extra weight. Um, but that's, <laughs> that's a story for yeah. another time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I guess just the, the level of planning that I did for five days on like really great maintained, super easy to navigate track. Um, yeah. I just, I just can't imagine <laughs> trying to sort the logistics for something longer than that, but people do. I mean, people do to Araroa where you have like yeah. food drops and stuff and it's three months um so yeah why don't you why don't you tell me a little bit about I guess a little bit about the planning process and then what went to plan and what you kind of had to wing along the way yeah, yeah sure honestly it nearly seems like the longer the trip it it almost gets easier in some sense like in in some ways because I I got to the point um because as I started planning this almost a year before we actually walked it. And um, in that year leading up to the trip, I did, or I didn't, I'm not sure. I probably stayed 30, 40 more nights in the bush. Um, so gaining experience as I went kind of, and um, kind of came to the realization that I'd probably done a bit too much planning. <laughs> and so sort of threw a little bit out the window and yeah. um, 
kind of just because I think that's sort of like I've, I've got this book sitting right next to me right now on uh Te Araroa about the whole like <laughs> trail yeah and um yeah I've I use that sometimes but what I have noticed at, is there's no time frames for how long anything's mm. going to take mm. and I think that's kind of the beauty of it is you plan a trip you can estimate as much as you want and you know speculate how long it's going to take but once it's over the length of the weather forecast um, yeah. or even yeah even like the first I don't know four or five days in the mountains like you're never really gonna get a super accurate forecast after that um so at that point you know it, it it's sort of just like it is what it is yeah and um Absolutely. yeah you kind of just go with the flow and so we were lucky enough to have um my my dad Paul took a bucket of food and dropped it at the end of the Kawikas, which was going to okay. be yeah. roughly our halfway point. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. that's awesome. So, so we had another six days in there, six or seven days, and we were we started off carrying eight, I think, about that. Yeah. So it was pretty much 14 or 15 days worth of food in total. But in the end, <laughs> we got to the bucket, and um, – it was at a place called Kuri Papango, which is um, or or Cameron Car Park um, mm-hmm. on the Napier Tai Happy Road. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that's kind of the boundary between the yeah. Ruhinis and the Kawikas. Okay. And um. Yeah. Pretty much the Tararau River, which was going to be sort of like a river that it has a massive descent. It had almost a thousand meters descent. Wow just yeah. down to cross the river and then another thousand on the other side to climb back up. Um, Someone could have put a bridge in. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, I know. <laughs> that would have been great. <laughs> so it would have solved all our problems. <laughs> um, yeah, but essentially we didn't really know the area enough and um, it had been raining for two or three days at that point. So mm-hmm we kind of decided that it would just be safer and probably more enjoyable to um, mm. pop a U-turn and we headed back north again through the car wickers, um, Yeah. On, on a different route, but yeah. So, but you did manage to pick up your food drop. Yeah, we got, got to the yeah. bucket and then yeah. that's where we decided we'll just go yeah. back the way that we came. Um, oh, that's a little bit um, frustrating, I suppose, but it's really cool that you could just make the most of it and, yeah, go yeah. back on another route. Yeah, like you said, I suppose you can't plan for everything. <laughs> you can't plan for every eventuality. Yeah, well, and exactly. I guess I mean, part of the adventure is sort of just winging it and playing it by ear. And at the end of the day, safety is the most important thing, isn't it? Yeah, totally. And, I mean, at, at the start of the trip, I had absolutely no clue that there was going to be any rain on um, day five and six. And yeah, yeah. There it was. We had, I don't know, probably almost a hundred mils over the two days. So. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. Definitely, maybe. Well, yeah. I, I, I hadn't even been there before. Um, mm-hmm. which was the other thing. So, I sort of was just going off of the um, measuring stations along the river and things like yeah. that. Um, yeah. Which only tell you so much, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. No, that sounds really cool. Well, what was the highlight of this trip? What was your your favorite moment of that journey? Um, <laughs> oh, look, I mean, it happened pretty early, probably, but <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I was trying to think about this before I came on and I, I think the best, my favorite part was probably day two um, out of 11. <laughs> yeah, I know, <laughs> pretty early <laughs> on. But um, yeah, we did, I don't know, I, I want to say 20, I think it was around like a 28 kilometer day, which was, yeah, so long. <laughs> pretty, pretty big. Um, and yeah, we had just like tackled this a pretty horrible stream um that we there was apparently a track but essentially we just had to walk down the stream for four or five k um and yeah it was some pools were pretty much like just oh they're probably over waist deep um wow so so, and and it's more the expectation you know like we went absolutely we went expecting it if I was expecting it it'd be like okay it still sucks but at least I knew (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) um, yeah and and it was right at the end as well so it's like you know it's all fun and games but it's also like I was pretty pretty pooped after that (laughs) um you know um but we stumbled into the hut at like six in the evening and we're like damn it there's four other people here but then we walked in and um, there's there's four hunters and or only one guy in the hut at that time and um, they had these little radios they're chatting to each other and they're all out yeah. in the bush and we walked in and like within ten seconds they're like oh JT I've got one or something through the radio and he was like it was just like great timing you know and um, he was saying that he had just shot a deer and so wow. within a couple hours we were sitting in the hut all set up for bed eating like massive venison back steaks and they had they had flown in um in a helicopter to the hut yeah for a yeah. couple of days and so they had brought in like a box of beer and like everything they just treated us like crazy eh so we had That's trout so <laughs> um, that they'd caught down the, the yeah. river below had a beer and yeah massive venison back steaks was like oh it's so good, eh? That was After such a, a treat. Day. If that happened to me on day two, I would have walked back out and been like, that was perfect. That <laughs> trip was better than I could have imagined. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. And we were... Oh, and that's awesome. We had, um, yeah, our, our meals for the first week were um, mashed potato and um, ramen. Oh, uh, yeah, classic. Because we were going for the, the lightweight. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, as many people listening will know it's not great nutritionally as I figured out (laughs) um (laughs) as we started with like a 600 meter climb or like on one of the days and um yeah it seemed a bit more like a thousand or you know it it didn't feel like 600 yeah yeah Yeah. I just wanted to quickly interrupt and invite you on the adventure of a lifetime. We are hosting a group trip to Nepal for 10 days in October this year. Nepal is one of our favorite places in the world and we've crafted a unique itinerary for adventurers just like you. The trip includes four days of trekking in the Annapurna Ranges, whitewater rafting, wildlife encounters, cultural experiences, and I'll be eating my weight in momos. So DM me the word Nepal on Instagram if you'd like more information or head to the link in the podcast description to pay your deposit and save your spot on the trip. I cannot tell you how excited I am for this. It's the ultimate adventure itinerary in beautiful Nepal. I promise it'll be a trip to remember and I'd love to have you there. Oh, no, that's that's such a cool story though from your second night though. What was your, your biggest sort of learnings or takeaways from this particular trip? I think like, kind of as I was saying again like just 
not over planning like mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah i think there's a very there's a very fine line like between yeah. cuz you don't want to be underprepared but exactly. then there's only yeah. so much you can prepare for <laughs> yeah exactly um and so i think yeah the the trip following this trip um sort of like right i went into the tararos by wellington mm-hmm. for for a week and yeah <laughs> Ended up on our second night at a hut that didn't have any water. Um, oh, and I was no like, idea. gee, that's, and it was up on the tops um, with no water source either. Um, mm. Like no, no streams or anything. Um, I was like, gee, this isn't good. But um, yeah, sure enough, on the dock website, it said that the tank had been leaking for about a year and I just hadn't done the research. So. <laughs> So, you know, that was me trying to go the opposite way to what yeah. I had done with the, the car yeah. winter trip. Um, yeah, so I've kind of figured out where the line yeah. <laughs> lies. Um, no, and I think um, I think each person has their own sort of preferences and things that are important to know or not important to know. Um, and even when it comes to like packing and packing your own pack, everybody yeah. has a different luxury item. Um, I know that you work at <laughs> yeah. MacPack as well. So here you've probably got heaps of knowledge on gear. So I guess what's in your pack? What's that non-negotiable that's that's not staying behind? Well, what's your luxury item? Give me both. <laughs> I mean, there's a couple things that like some people wouldn't even um, think are luxury items, but I will would like to say like slides um or oh, like yeah. hot shoes you know yeah yeah they're they're always um pretty nice so they don't have to wear my wet boots at the end of the day yeah um, absolutely yeah and I guess the inreach could almost fall in the luxury category because I guess instead I could have got gone just like a standard PLB and so in a way it is a luxury because I can look at forecasts and Mm, yeah yeah no like if I'm on track or off track it's yeah you know it's it's not exactly a it's kind of a safety it's a it's a non-negotiable luxury item (laughs) yes exactly exactly that's that's what I mean (laughs) yeah Yeah. um yeah so that that has proved to be very nice to have when you can't um screenshot the whole forecast before you go yeah absolutely (laughs) you know um yeah oh maybe it maybe inflate an inflatable pillow that that might be my luxury (laughs) I saw a couple of people with those when I was doing the old ghost road and everyone had the same inflatable pillow I have a feeling it was like a sea to summit I don't remember they were yellow everyone had the same yellow pillow and I was like okay interesting (laughs) I just I just stuffed my um puffer jacket into like a stuff sack and that was my pillow so yeah, I mean that's perfectly fine though, right? <laughs> it's literally just because um <laughs> I was uh I I had to stare at them for a week while I was working at MacPack, so I was like, uh, yeah, maybe might be time. <laughs> might as well. Yeah. <laughs> might as well. <laughs> you know. One piece of gear that I've had quite a few people ask me about recently is a raincoat. Um, and I think that's also a pretty essential piece of kit in Aotearoa. What are your raincoat recommendations? Um, well, I, again, I do work at MacPack, so I kind of have the freedom to sort of pick whatever I want with the discount, but, um, 
I have one called the Resolution, which is sort of the top of the line uh, tramping jacket that we sell. Um, but regardless of whether it's MacPack or not, I think um, something with a, a look for a three layer jacket, which is um, okay. yeah. So th- this is sort of what I understand um, <laughs> from what I've been trained on and things like that. Um, yeah. But essentially when you're wearing your backpack um and it's pissing down and you know there's heaps of water around um it the, the water can seep through a thinner jacket um no matter mm-hmm. how no matter how water resistant um it is so getting a thicker shell um yeah tends to be worth the weight in my opinion so i think my jacket is around the 600 gram mark which yeah is fairly heavy um compared to what you can get but yeah honestly it's like probably the best thing i've bought it because it's it's one of those things that you don't have to use it when it's raining right like it's or what i should say is not only when it's raining yeah Um, exactly yeah because yeah when i run out of things to keep me warm i just throw my jacket on top yeah absolutely it holds some heat holds heat yeah no that's super interesting i'm definitely gonna have to run to my raincoat and check if it's a three layer and i have no idea how much (laughs) it weighs either these are things that i didn't even think about um but my husband used to work at bivouac so he's got all that niche gear knowledge as well um and he picked it out for me well he he picked it out for himself and then i borrowed his raincoat and loved it so much so i got myself one (laughs) but i have no idea what all the sort of specs are or all the little nitty-gritty details (laughs) honestly like you just can't like i've just learned that you can't really work around just paying good money for a good jacket it's you know straight back to the old cliche saying of you get what you pay for um, yeah honestly yeah it, it does suck they have to pay like 600 bucks for a top of the line jacket but it honestly like y- you won't regret it if you do do that um yeah so, and the thing yeah. is like you can like hypothermia is a real risk when you're out there and if you have a raincoat that might be the difference between you having to pull your plv or not like i don't know i i feel like a raincoat is just such a key piece of gear um in Aotearoa so it's not really worth something to sort of skimp out on um I mean you'll get away with it if it's an overnight or something but for anything more than a couple of nights and or if you're in the North Island I feel like the North Island's so much more wet than the South Island or maybe the West Coast um, but yeah. yeah yeah I think I think it's so much more versatile than um what most people use it for mm. um yeah I think learning how to use your clothing um effectively which i know sounds like a bit silly but yeah honestly like that is one of the biggest skills that i've learned from just spending time out in the bush is Mm. um just when you're cold and you're out of layers like learning what you actually can do just how to keep yourself out of the sticky situations pretty much yeah absolutely (laughs) um and i'm sure you would have learned plenty of those skills at YSAR as well um which is really awesome um well tell me Ollie what you've got coming up next um it sounds like you had an incredible summer kicking off with that Kaweka trip and sounds like you had plenty more adventures after that but what's sort of next on your bucket list (laughs) well uh 
this seems to be pretty appropriate timing because I've <laughs> like within the last last week maybe maybe um I've sort of oh, you know I just get bored and start drawing lines um, <laughs> <laughs> um just linking oh yeah things that are way too far away um <laughs> but yeah I've come across a route from um so the east cape to mm-hmm. cape egmont um okay by yeah and um yeah hoping to well, well from what i can find um only one person has properly done it um which is ray salisbury forgive me on okay. the name i think um and he did it in around 80 days and he's written a book um about that which i'm yet to read but um yeah it's pretty much 850 kilometers um yeah so so a long way and um yeah I'm already in the process of trying to drag some mates into it um (laughs) how's that trying to do it after exams (laughs) Um, surprisingly well but (laughs) oh that's great I haven't I haven't given them I haven't given them the full story yet you know yeah like (laughs) um I actually (laughs) I had someone on the podcast who had done Napier to Taranaki um so not quite as far as the East Cape um but that was about 317 kilometers um in 14 days I don't have know that off the top of my head I'm reading off the (laughs) podcast description (laughs) um but that was episode 24 and uh that was um Russell so inspiring um I think this this trip would have been like a couple of decades ago maybe um but if you haven't listened to that, go listen to it. And same to the listeners. Um, that was a really fun episode. And in my opinion, one of the most underrated. Um, <laughs> but that would be so epic to go from Cape to Cape because that's probably the longest width you can do in Aotearoa. Yeah. I imagine yeah. there's not many other places in the country that would be like that wide. I yeah, haven't actually thought about that, but you make a very good point. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it probably is. But um yeah that would be awesome. Yeah. But I've um yeah kind of decided that it's probably a bit too much to walk um like for just me so um we're going to do a bit of a multi sport um and yeah. jump on the jump on the bikes for about I don't know maybe a third of the way as well so Yeah. Get... Oh that's cool. Yeah so Will you hop in kayaks as well down the Whanganui Awa? probably not not yeah. sure about that part yeah. yet because um again it's with the the whole um try not to plan too much because yeah <laughs> yeah I'm I have no no idea how long it's going to take to get to the Whanganui uh, yeah. river so yeah to get oh, that sounds so cool it's it's quite yeah. fun to sort of have a plan in the works even if it's um even if you haven't locked down dates or exactly what it's just fun to sort of start thinking about it and I guess just get the wheels turning in your head and having something to oh, sort yeah. of work towards oh yeah it's 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 so good it's like <laughs> it's like everything yeah it's it's kind of like my my homework that doesn't feel like homework you know? <laughs> just like yeah it's just every yeah I'm, I'm I'm doing things for it the whole time when I've got spare time at the moment <laughs> yeah That's awesome. so it's 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 great fun just drawing lines yeah (laughs) and trying to make them work eh? (laughs) 
Well, yeah. Ollie, before we wrap up, um, I would love to hear your advice for other kids around your age or even a little bit younger. Yeah, what are your what's your words of advice? What's your inspiration for people in a similar age to you that to to get outdoors and to make the most of this this beautiful country that we live in? Because it sounds like you do that so well. Um, and I'm sure there might be other people that want to get out but have things sort of stopping them. Yeah, so I'm sure you're going to be quite an inspiration to anyone that's listening. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. <laughs> we'll um, uh, as I mean, I, I know so many people have said this, but you kind of just have to do it mm-hmm. um, and get the ball rolling. Um, yeah, just be that person that convinces your parents and gets a whole group of mates out and starts the the ball rolling because yeah it's as I said it's been pretty much the best thing I've ever done is going on that first trip without my parents not mean I don't mean it like that but (laughs) (laughs) um but for yeah self-confidence and everything absolutely um, yeah and and it's a great hobby to have as well because um my screen time, my screen time on my phone goes um, rapidly down. Oh, I'm sure <laughs> your I'm parents out. are really excited with that. <laughs> <laughs> they try to get me um, out as much as I can as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nah. Well, I think um, whenever you do something new, whatever age you are, there's always that new scariness and confidence that kind of come together hand in hand um, when you're just yeah, yeah doing new things. Um, so that's really cool but in all seriousness like I think I was probably 16 on my first hike and that definitely wasn't solo Um, it was without my parents though but that's because my parents hate hiking (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, but it was with the cousins and the uncles and aunties Um, and yeah that was 16 was like the first time I properly got outdoors so to have someone like yourself who's already got a couple of years under your belt at 16 and a whole bunch of um, trips without your parents that's pretty epic um, and something you should yeah. be stoked about oh thank you yeah I, th- I think um, I think just yeah finding finding someone to sort of um, cement the roots um, mm. of kind of just I think um, common sense out in the the bush is like very important um, mm. and I think the only way you can get that is by just spending time out in the bush and yeah. um whether or not it's solo um yeah if if you want to get and in, like interested in um being outdoors more and things like that then just finding someone joining clubs finding someone that will take you um mm. to grow those roots is yeah about the best advice I've got probably absolutely yeah <laughs> yeah and it sounds like you found a really good community in the YSAR group as well so that could be an avenue for people to get more involved if that's something that they're interested in yeah for sure and actually as you say that um they've just expanded like from i'm not sure from maybe like four branches to they might even be over 10 now around the country wow that's Um, awesome yeah so if you are 14 to 16 i think it is and or if you know someone 14 to 16 that are, are keen um yeah definitely look into it because it's yeah you could ask um essentially any student and I think they would probably say it's been one of the best things they've ever done in their life so yeah that's awesome that's so cool 
Well, thank you so much, Ollie. I've hugely enjoyed um, having a chat to you. Where can people find you on socials if they want to connect and follow along on some of your upcoming adventures? <laughs> um, I'm just mostly on Instagram. Um, do a little bit of photography and things like that. And um, I'm ollie.dow. I th- think it's just that um, is my Perfect. handle. I'll make sure it's linked in the description. Yeah, and and also I have a website which is just ollie dot oh ollydell dot com which Perfect. I haven't touched in way too long, but <laughs> it does have a couple. Um, I I will update the blog after this um, <laughs> with more adventures for everyone to read about. And so awesome, yeah. that sounds perfect. Well, I'll make sure that all of that's in the description so people can <laughs> find you easily. Um, and yeah, thank you again. This has been really really cool. Thank you so much, Abigail, and thanks everyone for listening. The best thing about this podcast, obviously, is amazing guests that I get to speak to. I love Ollie's motivation and initiative in chasing something he's passionate about and getting out there to explore Aotearoa. If you want to hear more from our younger guests, check out episode four, all about hiking to Alex Knob with Lucy. Everything is linked in the description as usual. I would love if you can leave us a review because it goes so far and means that I can keep bringing you weekly episodes. All it takes is two seconds and it would mean so much. Thank you so much for tuning in and coming along for the ride. If you love the show and enjoyed listening, please take the time to leave a review on Apple or Spotify. I would also love to connect with you, so send me a DM on Instagram or leave me a voice message, and I can't wait to see you next time. Until then, keep adventuring.